We have a major update from all of our expert scientists. This is going to put us all at ease, finally get the country moving again. Joe Biden's COVID advisor promises us that we just have to lock down the country for another four to six weeks. And then four to six weeks, that's we're gonna lock down, we're gonna stay in our pods, we're not gonna go outside, no one's gonna work, and then in four to six weeks, then we will return from this pandemic. I would remind everybody, it is now 241 days since the federal government told us that we had 15 days to slow the spread. That's the science. You gotta trust the science. Even when the science changes its mind every single day, that's what you can look forward to if Joe Biden wins the race. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday is from Jacob, who says, oh, this is a quote. This is a quote from Joe Biden, presidential candidate who might consider himself the president-elect. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. That might be the one time Joe Biden has told the truth. I think we found the one time, it's a Freudian slip, which of course is where you say one thing but mean your mother. Joe Biden bragged about this. Now, people came out and said, no, no, Joe Biden, what he really meant was that it's the best voter fraud uh, fighting organization, uh, the, the most anti-voter fraud. Well, that's not what he said. And uh, the more we learn out of Philadelphia, the more we learn out of Pittsburgh, the more we learn out of Arizona, the more we learn out of Georgia, the more we learn out of Michigan. It seems like Joe might have been telling the truth. We'll get to all of those states in just a second. This election is gonna be really, really close, regardless of who wins it. If President Trump wins it, if Joe Biden wins it, it's gonna be a really, really close shave. And if you want a close shave, I would strongly recommend you check out Harry's Razors. How is that for a segue? I love Harry's Razors. This is the best razor, hands down, that I've ever used. They have new, sharper blades. Those new, sharper blades are the same low price that Harry's has always brought you, $2 a piece. That is unbelievable. That does not make any sense. You can find Harry's in the big box drugstore near you, or you can get Harry's online, which I would strongly recommend. That's what I do. I never remember to go out and buy new razors. So in the old days, I would just use the same razor for like years at a time. It was certainly a health hazard, speaking of public health. So go, sign up. Uh, you get this wonderful German factory. They've been honing razor blades for 100 years. They source their steel from Sweden, and they also have a 100% quality guarantee. You're not gonna have any questions about them, though. You're gonna love Harry's. Best shave I've ever had. Available wherever you shop. Uh, if you like to shop online, Harry's has a great offer for the listeners right now. New U.S. customers can redeem a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You will get a five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect your blade when you're on the go. And I love that travel cover because it's got little holes in it so it can actually kind of breathe. It's just, it's so great. harrys.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Redeem your trial offer today. Trust me, you're not gonna wanna miss out on that. That's just science. You're not gonna wanna miss out on a great, that's just, we're told all the time about science. What, what happened when our public health experts, like Dr. Fauci, for instance, told us not to wear masks? Don't wear masks, masks are bad for you. If you wear a mask, you're being irresponsible. Surgeon General of the United States said the same thing, and we were told, trust the science, believe the science, as though the science were some deity that we have to pay obeisance to. Well, then all those guys completely changed their minds. Based on what? Based on new studies? We didn't get really new studies. 
they change their minds, then you gotta believe the science there. We were told, believe the science, 15 days to slow the spread, flatten the curve, so that you don't overwhelm the hospital system. Not find a cure, not reduce the number of cases, not even really reduce the number of deaths, just reduce the number of unnecessary deaths if you were to overwhelm the hospital system. We never came close to overwhelming the hospital system anywhere in the country, including New York. They had the Javits Center, they had that hospital ship, didn't need either of them. Same thing over in California, didn't need it. Great, big success, right? So the, the lockdowns are over by April 1st, right? No way, not a chance. We're now 241 days in. People are dying alone. People are not seeing their grandparents. Now we're being told we're not allowed to go home for Thanksgiving. Or if we do go home, you can only have a, a meal with 10 people. So if you know, I've got some Catholic friends of mine, some of them have just 10 kids or 11 kids or 12 kids. So you gotta, you gotta pick your favorites. You gotta send those other kids outside. They're not, maybe they can come for Christmas, we'll see. We'll see if President-elect Joe Biden will let them. More on him in just a bit. So there's one new machine out of Nebraska, which is, it's a, it's a new scientific way to circumvent the lockdowns. It allows you to hug, <laughs> I can't even get through it without laughing. It allows you to hug your relatives by, <laughs> by reaching through a plastic sheet and, and in plastic wrapping your plastic arms around your beloved grandfather. Take a listen. Is this heartwarming? I don't. Something is something kind of heartwarming because you you know that these uh, grandparents haven't seen their grandkids in however long. It's also very sad. That this. This is what, not the virus has reduced us to, this is what bad policies have reduced us to. This is inhuman. You know, I, I have uh, friends, I unfortunately haven't been able to travel back to see my grandparents in the last, whatever, five or six months that this has really been going on. But I have friends who have. And in some cases, the, the parents didn't wanna see them. They said, oh, I'm too afraid of the virus. But in most cases, the grandparents said, come on in here, Sonny. This happened to a very good friend of mine just a couple months ago. He said, come on in here. I know I'm 85 years old, I know I'm at risk, but you know, I'm gonna die soon anyway, and I, I don't wanna go without seeing my loved ones. There, there have been petitions in nursing, there was a protest actually at a nursing home where people said the thing we look forward to is getting hugs from our relatives, and you're taking that away from us, you sick politicians. Th that question of whether or not you can hug your grandparents, that's not a scientific question. Maybe there's some increased risk to the virus. Maybe the risk actually isn't that large compared to other, other viruses. That's sort of beside the point. There's a political question, a philosophical question, a theological question. What are we here for? How are we to relate to one another? How are we to relate to life? How are we to relate to death? It occurred to me yesterday that COVID is the single craziest thing to ever happen in my lifetime, ever. Not the virus, we've had plenty of viruses in my lifetime. West Nile, Ebola, I don't know, all, all those sort of things, swine flu. The, lock, the COVID lockdowns, that's the craziest thing to happen in my lifetime. I tweeted this out and a number of people said, well, what about 9-11, you were alive for 9-11. 9-11, I guess, was the most horrific thing to happen in my lifetime. But that's different than crazy. It, it, it's not 
that it was so crazy, so unusual, so unexpected, so unprecedented. There have always been terrorist attacks in history. Many of them have come from Islamic radicals. There actually was already a terror attack on the World Trade Center in 1993. The people who did it told us their justification for doing it. So still, obviously, horrific. Crazy is a different thing. And the COVID lockdowns are absolutely crazy because there is no reasoning behind it. They, they change the reasoning every single day. They extend it indefinitely. There is no end in sight, no matter what these hack politicians tell you. Biden's COVID advisor says four to six weeks. <laughs> a likely story. I've heard that one before. To quote a former president, fool me once, shame on you. Fooled me twice. <laughs> the point is you ain't going to fool me again. That's the sort of science that we're talking about here. It's just a power grab. I am not going to wear a mask at Thanksgiving. I would encourage you all not to wear masks on Thanksgiving. I'm not making a scientific point. I'm not saying it's because, you know, the, the masks don't work that well, even though we've quoted many epidemiologists, for instance, from Columbia, we've quoted the CDC, we've quoted Dr. Fauci himself saying that the masks don't work that well. That's not the point I'm making. I'm not gonna wear the mask because the masks are disordered. They present a disordered view of the world, a disordered view of germs, a disordered view of society and social relations. And they change what, what we are social animals, Aristotle calls us the political animal. They change that social nature of us from looking at one another as fellow human beings, fellow citizens, fellow family members, to looking at each other as bags of germs uh, that are going to destroy us, that are out to kill us, that only can be uh, protected by the government and by government lockdowns. I ain't gonna do it. It's political control in the name of science. Now, by the way, people have, <laughs> people have been asking me since the beginning of COVID, some people who are a little more eccentric or excitable, they've said, Michael, this is the end times. COVID is it, heralding the, the end times, the antichrist and uh, the COVID stuff, it's gonna be the mark of the beast. And I said, you know, that seems a little, that seems a little uh, extreme. You know, no, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the sun, but only the father knows the day. So I'm not going to presume to know that. But then I read stories like this and I say, gosh, this, I don't know, maybe those excitable people have a point. Now that a vaccine is in the works, it looks like it's going to come out. It was announced just a couple days after the election, conveniently. Now we're being told by Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster may resume live events, but they're going to require you to present a, a sort of passport to say that you've had the vaccine. That's a very creepy position to be in, where in order to engage in commercial activity, you have to get a certain vaccine. We've never really had that in America. Now, now Ticketmaster is saying, perhaps you can have a test, and if you can prove that you have the test, fine. What is scientific about that? If I were to get the flu right now, I'd be at a much greater risk of dying, right? De depending on what conditions I've got. But younger people, babies, children, much higher risk from the flu, which we all tolerate, than from coronavirus. How come we don't require that you get your flu shot? Maybe we soon will require that you get your flu shot. That's, again, a political question. But it's all being passed off in science. The mayor of Chicago, the failed state of Chicago and the failed mayor who runs it, just came out. She's trying her hand at comedy. And she's trying her hand at comedy in the name of science to say that she's assuming Joe Biden just got elected president, that science is back. Oh. 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 
thank God, science is back, baby. And the earth is round, not flat. Washing your hands does work. Social distancing does matter. And wearing a face covering does help protect all of us. I do love science. If that is science, give me alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, if that, whatever that is, I don't want that. I oppose whatever that is. That, of course, is not science, and those are not scientists, and even our conception of science is pretty flawed. But that's a politician. That's a, a very corrupt Chicago politician. You ever notice how all the people who promote science to us, are, they're all politicians? Uh, Andrew Cuomo believes science. This lady believes science. Al Gore wins a Nobel Prize for making a PowerPoint about science. They're all politicians. Isn't that a little weird? The reason for that, it, it, this goes back to the earliest days of the progressive movement, which coincided with the rise of the social sciences, which then fed data into the administrative state, which took decisions away from the authentically political realm in our constitutional system, gave it to so-called experts to make all our decisions for us. And it was all done in the name of science, social science, political science, economic science, whatever this kind of science is, epidemiology, all these sorts of sciences so that you can't disagree with it. Right now, we're told that uh, we ought to be able to kill a baby in the womb. Why? Because that's science. That's not a baby, it's an embryo. Okay, well, what's the difference? Well, I don't know, but it, look, that's not a baby, it's a fetus. Well, okay, do you know what the word fetus means? The word fetus is Latin for offspring. It just means baby. Okay, enough with that etymology buster. I'm no classicist over here, I'm a scientist. And what I'm telling you is that that's a zygote. That's not a baby. Okay, you can, you can keep inventing these kind of newfangled jargon. It doesn't change the ontological fact that this is a baby. They say, nope, sorry, that's science. You gotta kill the babies. It is a scientific fact, did you know, that men can become women. It's just science. You say, well, I don't know that, I don't know that that's real. No, someone in a lab coat told me that and they published it in a journal and it's, it's in the academy, believe it. That's but of course, none of this is science. These uh, scientific statements are meant to defend policies that people want, namely legal abortion or a transgender ideology, letting men use the women's changing room or something to that effect. And that, that's fine, but the, the reason they, they have to pretend it's science is so that you can't debate. Whenever you hear it's science, believe the science, Lori Lightfoot over there in Chicago, science is back. What that really means is there's no more debate. <laughs> there's no more room to disagree because we are going to define all of our views as beyond the realm of public debate and you are just gonna have to deal with it. These are political questions. Some people get that, you know. I, I, I notice the conservative politicians are much less likely to buy into this kind of game, even though it might help them in some cases. Ron DeSantis over in Florida, maybe my favorite governor in the United States. Ron DeSantis is dealing in political questions. So there have been some problems around the country, you know. When people are going out and mobbing and looting and rioting, we are told this doesn't spread the coronavirus. Actually, so-called public health experts told us that it would help stop the coronavirus to protest white supremacy. I kid you not, the 2000 of them wrote a letter about this. And if you protest white supremacy, because white supremacy exacerbates the virus, it's good, and never mind. But, but if you go protest any of the lockdowns, or if you go to church, or if you go see your family at Thanksgiving, that will spread the virus, that's just science. 
So let the marauding leftists loot your stores, burn down your country, steal your stuff, break onto your property in St. Louis and threaten you with weapons. Don't you dare fight back, Mr. McCloskey. That's just science. And so Ron DeSantis came out and he said, I don't think it's a scientific question. I think it's a political question. And I think I'm gonna pass a law that says that if looters and rioters come onto your lawn, you can shoot them. That's a law, a simple law. I, don't, I can't believe we actually have to make a law about that. Seems to me if people come in, into my property, if people are destroying businesses, and then you fight back, that's clearly self-defense, defending your life and your property. But the country has, has decayed in, in such a way that people don't see that anymore. So Ron DeSantis is taking the lead here. He's expanding the stand your ground law. Uh, he is uh, attempting to prevent, quote, violent and disorderly assemblies by permitting violence against anyone involved in the, quote, interruption or impairment of a business, uh, which uh, could include a burglary within 500 feet of, quote, violent or disorderly assembly. Great idea. This is the kind of leadership we need. Stop deferring to these so-called experts. They're not experts. They're just leftist political activists who are telling you to shut up. They are, they're trying to censor everybody now, and sometimes they'll outright lie to do it, getting back to the presidential election. Because there are a lot, there, there's a lot at stake right now in the presidential election. If Joe Biden pulls this one out, he's going to empower this bureaucratic blob, the, the deep state, the administrative state. And all these little experts are going to write lots of laws well past the, the halls of Congress. They're going to write it in the EPA or in the FDA or wherever, in all the alphabet agencies, to run your life for you. And they're, they're going to try to, to steal it. If they don't win it outright, they'll try to steal it. Maybe you heard the story. Actually, you did because I mentioned it on the show the other day. The other day, postal worker comes out and alleges fraud, alleges that his supervisor told him, pick up ballots that are illegal, deliver them to me. So then the Washington Post came out and said, not true. This postal worker has recanted. This is fake news. Don't spread this story. Well, now, I guess that was supposed to be the end of the story, except that the postal worker came out and he said, I absolutely did not recant and the Washington Post is lying about me. I am right at this very moment looking at a article written, written by Washington Post. It says that I uh, fabricated the allegations of ballot tampering. I'm here to say that I did not recant my statements. That did not happen. That is not what happened. And you will find out tomorrow. So we'll find out. He's going to release a longer video about this. But it didn't happen. Now, I don't, I don't know the entirety of his story. But what I do know is something that I've known for a long time, that the Washington Post is lying about it. The entire establishment press, which is tied into the establishment academy, which is tied into the establishment popular culture, which is tied into the establishment technology, which is tied into the established administrative government and elected politicians. That is what is trying to win this election. It is not about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is nothing. He is totally hollow. If you crack him open, he, you, would, you would find air leaking out. There is nothing inside. He's been an empty suit his whole career. The same goes for Kamala Harris. She's, she's articulated more forcefully certain views. It's only because she's younger. I think she licks her finger, puts it up in the air, figures out which way the wind is blowing. Okay, now there are politicians on the left who have strong views. They will be pulling the strings. Joe Biden has already admitted as much. He's moved so radically to the left just in the issue of abortion. He used to oppose abortion. 
Now he not only doesn't oppose it, he supports taxpayer-funded abortion with no restrictions. There are these uh, strong-minded characters on the left. One of them would be Stacey Abrams, who is uh, just as much the governor of Georgia as Joe Biden is the president-elect. Stacey Abrams, you remember her, she's come out and said, forget this moderation talk. Forget this talk about the American ideals. What we need is identity politics. Identity politics is exactly who we are, and it's exactly how we won. Identity politics, that's exactly how we won. Identity politics, that's how the left win. Now, the trouble, of course, with this is the left didn't just win the election. The left, it was supposed to be a blue wave, remember? The left was supposed to take the Senate. Doesn't look like they did that. And the left was supposed to win big seats in the House. Didn't do that. They lost seats in the House. They might, may have lost a lot of seats in the House. And they were playing those identity politics. Identity politics is fundamentally opposed to the American and broader Western political tradition. Because what identity politics says is we need to set up essentially a sort of caste system in America and we're gonna judge people based on their, their oppression, their perceived oppression, whether that's real or imagined, and we're gonna give people certain privileges. So for instance, we're gonna give black people certain privileges in university admissions and job hiring, and they're gonna get those privileges because of the legacy of slavery. Now you might ask, what about black people who do not descend from slaves? Like for instance, Barack Obama or Kamala Harris, both of whom descended not from slaves, but from slave owners. Do they have a, a, a disadvantage? Are they oppressed? Neither of those people seem particularly oppressed to me. One was the president, one might possibly become the vice president. She's a sitting US senator. I don't, I don't think, are they, how are they oppressed? Well, because of their identity. Not because of the facts of their life, but because of their identity pits uh, Americans against one another and pits all Americans against their own history. That's the point. And identity politics, unfortunately, is very effective. And what's, what's interesting is, for all the talk of white supremacy and white nationalism, these sorts of things, white people in America have a very, very low racial consciousness. There was a, a report came out, I think from Pew Research, that showed that for every major ethnic group, racial consciousness ranks above 50%. That is, more, greater than 50% of respondents said that their race is very important to their identity. Uh, for black people, this was the strongest, uh, followed by Hispanics and Asians. For white people, racial identity was 15%. It's way, 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 way low, which is perfectly fine by me. I, when you, if you were to ask me, Michael, who are you? What are you? What would I say? I'd say I'm Catholic. I'm uh, American. I'm... Sicilian, you know, I get a little of that. I, got, I guess I've got some English in there. I'm a cigar smoker. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker, right? I'd give, and, and white guy would be somewhere pretty far down on the list. But what Stacey Abrams is saying is, no, you're a white guy, buddy. <laughs> white, white is number one. Your racial identity, which she is constructing for us, that has got to be number one. Now, that kind of radical politics didn't, win the last election. I mean, when you say identity politics is how we won, how'd you win? The, the guy that you may be elected president is the oldest, whitest dude in America, right? So I, I don't, if that's the identity, I guess then the Democrats are going back to their roots. But in the future, perhaps it will work. I mean, there is something to this idea. 
And Michael Moore was saying this, Democrats need to become socialists. They need to just admit that they're socialists, stop pretending they're not socialists. And he's been harangued for this, but Michael Moore actually gets politics pretty well. He was one of the few people on the left who called Trump. And there is a phenomenon going on right now. My friend Spencer Clavin over at uh, Claremont and the American Mind, he pointed this out to me the other day. We were discussing the woke people and the red-pilled conservatives and the, you know, it, the idea that the kind of establishment consensus on both the left and the right are cracking. And he said, well, Michael, isn't it interesting that the two terms that we're using for people who realize that the old consensus is broken and that some new kind of political coalition needs to form, on the left we say they're woke, and on the right we say they're red-pilled. And both terms imply a kind of waking up out of a dreamlike state waking up and seeing reality anew for the first time. And I think there's something to that. I think Democrats have behaved like socialists for a very long time and they just haven't admitted it to themselves. And I think that conservatives have convinced themselves of a lot of sort of slogans and bumper stickers that aren't necessarily true. And they, they, they tilt against windmills and they, they uh, fight with they fight battles that no one really cares about. You know, uh, it's perfectly fine. The liberal establishment is perfectly fine to have conservatives arguing for low taxes. Sometimes the liberal establishment doesn't even mind the low taxes. But the minute you bring up culture, the minute you bring up mass migration, the minute you bring up love of country even, all of a sudden that's a little bit too much, a little too red-pilled. Now, we will find out how this election turns out pretty soon. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, there are some election updates. Right now, we've found out there will be a hand recount in the state of Georgia. You'll remember on election night, Trump was winning Georgia significantly. And then, you know, just magically in the middle of the night, all those Biden votes came in. So here we have Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, what a name, announcing there will be a by hand recount in every county in Georgia. The next step in the current election process is getting the final county certifications in. We'll then move to the Risk Limiting Audit, or RLA. At 1 p.m. today, I will make the official designation of which race will be the subject of the RLA. At that time, I will designate that the RLA will be the presidential race. With the margin being so close, it will require a full, by-hand recount in each county. This will help build confidence. It will be an audit, a recount, and a recanvas all at once. It will be a heavy lift, but we will work with the counties to get this done in time for our state certification. Many of these workers will be working plenty of overtime. We have all worked hard to bring fair and accurate counts to assure that the will of the voters is reflected in the final count and that every voter will have confidence in the outcome wherever, whether their candidate won or lost. So you heard that term RLA. RLA refers to risk-limiting audit. It's not enough to count the votes again. If you've got fraudulent votes in there and you recount the fraudulent votes, you haven't accomplished anything. There are votes in there that maybe weren't sent in by the people who said that they were sending them in. There are votes in there that maybe were not sent in by people who, I don't know, are alive. There are votes maybe in there that were sent in by people who aren't people. You know, maybe they're the family's beloved pet or something. We've heard a few stories about that during this election season. We just don't know. So it's not enough to recount. You've got to audit those votes. Usually, you're going to hear political geniuses tell you that recounts don't matter that much. Yeah, sure, they find fraud. There's always fraud, but it's not going to shift the vote that much. That may be true. But we have never had widespread unsolicited mail-in ballots. 
We're now talking about what? The, the numbers that the media are putting out are 74 million votes for Biden, 71, 72 million votes for Trump. Those numbers are unprecedented. Now, maybe it's because of huge voter turnout. Maybe it's because there's fraud. Maybe there was huge voter turnout, but some of those votes were not eligible. We don't know. And so you got to audit that vote. It's not just happening in Georgia. We're getting great stories coming out of Arizona now as well. Okay, there's a lot up in the air. There is a lot that is unsettled. And when things are so up in the air, it helps you to have something very settled, very sturdy, like gold. You should check out Acre Gold. You know, one problem with investing in gold is that when you invest in gold, you, you know, it's expensive. Bars of gold are extremely expensive. I, I don't, unless you're a bond villain, you probably don't have like bars of gold lying all around your home. But you can begin to invest in gold today with Acre Gold. The way they do it for as low as 30 bucks a month, you mail in and that goes into your account there at Acre Gold. And when your account reaches the cost of that bar of gold, Acre Gold will ship that physical gold discreetly to your door. It's, a, it's an incredible financial product. It is changing the game on investing in physical gold. I, I, I really like what they're doing. Uh, Acre designs their gold in California, sources their gold from one of the largest mints in Switzerland. Uh, it's great. Uh, Industry-first packaging that looks and feels more expensive than other gold alternatives. Uh, for me, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to investing, but I, I have always enjoyed investing in precious metals. So check it out. Acre also just recently introduced their new $100 per month subscription for their five gram gold bar. You can visit getacregold.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. What more can I do for you? You have the chance to win a gold bar. To qualify for their giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient of this gold bar at, at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Knowles. And thank you to Acre Gold for supporting the show. So we got the recounts going on in, in Georgia. We've also got new numbers coming out of Arizona. So very quickly before we get to mailbag, Joe Biden's lead in Arizona, remember Arizona was called for Biden on election night by the ostensibly conservative network. Now, who knows how conservative they are exactly if they're the first ones calling Arizona for Biden. But the Trump team has been very confident from the beginning. We are going to do very, very well in Arizona. It turns out it looks like that's correct. Uh, Joe Biden's lead in Arizona has now shrunk below 13,000 after Maricopa County dropped some more ballots, uh, according to Data Orbital. Uh, the county's latest report includes 50, almost 5,300 votes, 56.4% going to Trump, 41.8% going to Biden. Pinal County also posted some more ballots on Tuesday, shows Trump taking 63.3% of the almost 1,000 ballots counted there. There remain 46,700 ballots in Arizona. 22,400 of them come from Maricopa County. Maricopa is is pretty decidedly for Trump. Now, President Trump needs to take 64% in those remaining ballots in order to win Arizona. That's a high number, but it is not outside the realm of possibility. All pretty good news there, and that's why CNN is absolutely freaking out. We are being told now that if President Trump does not concede, never mind the recounts, never mind the hand recount in Georgia, recounts, counts still going on in Arizona, the investigations going on in Philadelphia, never mind all that, Trump's gotta concede these demagogues tell us, because otherwise, Trump will compromise American national security. Yes or no, are the actions that the president is taking now putting this country in danger? Clearly, it's not great for our democracy. 
Yeah, okay. It's a, a fair. Uh, let's put some teeth on that, if we can, for a moment, because there are sitting members of Congress who were around in their positions at the time of 9-11. And the 9-11 Commission report specifically cited the shortened transition after the 2000 election for having an impact on national security. I'm quoting here, it hampered the new administration in identifying, recruiting, clear, clearing, and obtaining Senate confirmation of key appointees. The fact is, we have experience for how shortened transitions make a difference in national security. Why, why are we hearing from Republicans uh, about that, granting that potential danger? Yeah, why, why are these Republicans doing that? I mean, it's just so awful that they're compromising national security. I don't remember CNN raising this, this concern when Al Gore was dragging the 2000 election out for 38 days, based on nothing, by the way, based on absolutely nothing compared to what we've got now. I guess if Democrats were so concerned about this, maybe they should not have refused to allow Republican poll watchers in Philadelphia. Because if they, if they didn't do that, if they didn't illegally refuse to allow Republican poll watchers and ignore a court order, then maybe we wouldn't have to drag this out so long. Maybe they shouldn't have forced this widespread unsolicited mail-in ballots which are vulnerable to fraud. Maybe they shouldn't have done that, but they did. So unfortunately, we're not gonna unilaterally disarm Democrats. You know, maybe the most scandalizing aspect of this entire election process, of the, the whole, maybe of 2020, is that you have America's enemies around the world parroting democratic talking points to attack America. When you hear uh, China, when you hear North Korea, when you hear Saudi Arabia, when you hear Russia talking about the United States, they are parroting democratic talking points. This from the UN Human Rights Council. Don't you love, by the way, that uh, China is on the UN Human Rights Council, China, which kills millions of their own citizens, which forced sterilization, forced abortions on their own citizens. China's on the Human Rights Council at the United Nations, which as I've mentioned many times before, would make a wonderful luxury Trump apartment building on the East River. For some reason, we still have the UN standing there, but in a, I know that Joe Biden calls himself the president-elect. He's just as much the president-elect as I am, and I promise you in a Knowles administration, we're getting luxury condos where the UN stands. Here is what China had to say about the United States. It sounds an awful lot like Democrats. Madam President, the Chinese delegation wishes to recommend to the U.S. Uh, one, root out the systematic racism, address widespread police brutality and combat discrimination against African and Asian Americans. Second, urge politicians to respect people's rights to life and health and stop politicizing and uh, stigmatizing COVID-19 pandemic. Three, take holistic measures to eliminate rich poor politicization and social inequality. Four, combat the increasingly severe religious intolerance and xenophobic violence. Five, stop incarcerating migrants, including migrant children, and guarantee the rights of migrants. Six, address proliferation of guns and guarantee people's life rights. Right to life. Seven, lift newly, uh, coercive uh, unilateral benefits and aid stop torture in uh, anti uh, opposite matters halt military intervention in other countries and stop uh, killing civilians. Nine, stop interfering in, for political reasons in other countries' internal affairs under the pretext of human rights. Thank you, madam. Listening to that cynical enemy of the United States, reading the litany of offenses that the United States is allegedly uh, committing, and not, not committing in reality, but is allegedly committing, you would think that that guy were running for the Democratic nomination for president. And, and this is a sad fact about our politics right now that one cannot 
cannot uh, ignore. I mentioned this before the election. The difference in the election is that Trump supporters wave the American flag and Biden supporters burn the American flag. But, but Michael, some Biden supporters aren't burning the flag. Sure, first of all, all the people burning the flag support Biden over Trump. But beyond that, the people who are disrespecting the American flag, many more people than who are burning them, the people who won't stand for the national anthem, the people who will not give reverence to the flag, star-spangled banner, they're Democrats. They're people who support Joe Biden. The people who read the 1619 Project and say our country is rotten to the core, rotten from the very beginning, they support Joe Biden. That's a big difference. And that, to me, is a real national security problem when you have half the country that despises the country itself. That is a real security problem. Speaking of security, it's not just a political question, it's a personal question as well, which is why I've got to tell you about Ring and how much I love Ring. You know, Ring has been a sponsor of this show for years at this point. I've given Ring out to my friends as housewarming gifts, and I'm so excited because I'm moving to Nashville. I, as you, you can see, I'm not in my studio right now. I'm kind of halfway out, and I'm going to be in my Nashville studio on Monday. I've got a great house that I'm going to be in. Because in LA, you know, you can live in a hovel, you can live in a little shoebox, or in Tennessee, you can like have acres and acres and just be living in this beautiful American paradise. And so, you know, I'm gonna have a, have a house, and I'm so excited that I've got Ring. Sweet little Elise is a good shot, but much better to be able to see, hear, and speak with whoever's at your door from anywhere in the world. You can be in your bedroom, you can be at the office, you can be on a beach somewhere across the globe. You can uh, talk to them. It's, it's a really wonderful product. It's a powerful, affordable, whole home security system. Right now, get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. That is the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles. And while you're on your internet browser, go to dailywire.com and subscribe. We've talked about some of the awful things that the establishment media have done over just the past week and a half or so, and it's only gonna get worse. You've got to replace the media. We got a lot of exciting changes at The Daily Wire, as I just said, we're all moving to Nashville. The other thing that's pretty fun, we're bringing our friend Candace Owens with us. We've got an extremely cool show that we're working on with Candace. It's gonna have a live studio audience. I hope to be able to meet many of you when we do these live audiences. That's always very fun. COVID shut us down. Well, we're not gonna take that anymore. We've got some great cultural work coming up. We're gonna be into the movie business. We're gonna be into a whole lot of other businesses. Be a part of it. Join us for All Access. That's our elite tier of membership where you get to hang out with uh, the whole Daily Wire community, not just the hosts and the writers, but all of the other elite all-access members, something I always love doing. Uh, so much to do. And, of course, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back. I'm always running late on the mailbag. So first question from Sarah. Hello, Mr. Knowles. Recently, my boyfriend and I got in a fight about me getting a COVID test. <laughs> okay, I like where this is going. I had just a stuffy nose and felt like it wasn't necessary to get one for a few reasons. One, I always get a small cold during the change of seasons. Yep, true for most of us. Uh, two, if I went and got a test, I would have had to stay out of work for however long it would take for results to come back, which means that I wouldn't get paid for those days of missing work. Three, I haven't been in contact with anyone sick and don't want to get on some sort of watch list. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Was it irresponsible to not get a test or is COVID something that has to be accepted and lived with? Any of your thoughts would be appreciated. This is a topic of frustration for me and my boyfriend, thanks. Tell your boyfriend to man up. This is so pathetic. It is so pathetic that you have to be the voice of reason. In, 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 typically when there are arguments between boyfriends and girlfriends, I don't wanna sound sexist or anything here, but typically the more emotional party to that argument tends sometimes to be the female part and the men tend to be a little more grounded, but here it's completely reversed because leftism has thrown our culture upside down. Of course you shouldn't have to get a COVID test because you've got a stuffy nose. First of all, see if you've got the symptoms of COVID. Second of all, see if you're at risk or you're around people who are at risk. Third of all, you don't need to end your life because of what amounts to a very, very virulent, I don't know, flu just about, right? Especially for people who are in what I imagine to be your age range. Uh, second, tell your boyfriend if he wants to boss you around, he's gotta become your husband. <laughs> no, don't tell him that. That's not, that's not a good way to start a marriage. But tell him to you know, grow a spine and stop living in fear of this virus. Be prudent, fine, don't go, you know, maybe don't like go uh, lick your, your elderly sick grandfather, okay? Use some caution here. But you don't need to leave, live your life in constant fear of a virus that has been extraordinarily politicized and which, by the way, is gonna be with us in perpetuity, right? That's how these viruses work. The World Health Organization estimates, and this, this is a month old estimate at this point, World Health Organization estimates that one in 10 people on planet Earth have already gotten COVID, on Earth. The, the virus has only been around for something like nine or 10 months. We're all gonna get it. We're gonna get it, it's gonna be around. Maybe there's a vaccine, maybe the vaccine will work, maybe people won't take it, it's gonna be around. Have you ever gotten the flu? Do you get the flu shot? It's here. There was a study out of Chicago showed one in five Chicagoans, one in five, 20% got COVID within the first you know, nine, 10 months of it existing. It's going around. Learn to live with it, tell your boyfriend to stop living in fear. Um, or get a new boyfriend. I don't know, I don't wanna go that far. Maybe he's a nice guy, but come on, tell him to, uh, to quote Don Corleone when he's talking to Johnny Fontaine in his office. You're gonna act like a man. What's the matter with you? From Genevieve Hacker, dear Michael, for months now the media has been predicting that Trump will not allow the peaceful transfer of power after the election. Has Trump painted himself into a corner now that he is, by their standards, refusing to concede the election and fulfilling their predictions? Also, do you think there's a chance the courts will rule in favor of Biden, even if there is evidence that Trump actually won, just to avoid the inevitable rioting if they declare Trump won? Thanks, love the show. Of course, the media painted this picture. Uh, they, they try to do it all the time. You remember they did this in 2016. They said, there's evidence of Russian interference. Russia wants Trump to win. And then Trump wins and they say, see, because we made those predictions before, now we're gonna use that as a predicate to investigate him and try to stage a coup d'etat and throw him out of office. Uh, of course, that was the plan the whole time. And they're doing that now. They're saying, if Trump wins, then it's not democracy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing with Democrats. Whenever. Whenever the people go out and vote and they don't vote for the Democrats, that's not democracy. That's a threat to democracy. But when they go out and they vote for Democrats, that is democracy. Seems like kind of a loaded game. Who cares what their standards are? I don't care. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what Fox News says for that matter. You know, Fox historically has been better than CNN, but if people are gonna push a narrative that is politically slanted and untrue, what do I care? It doesn't, doesn't affect me at all. 
There is a legal process in this country for conducting elections. President Trump is engaging in that legal process. And you're, you may well be right. There may be a world in which they uncover lots of voter fraud, but either they can't prove it because it's very difficult to prove, or they do prove it and the courts go squishy and say, well, I, I just, uh, we don't want to have more riots. So sorry, Biden's the president. That might happen. That's, I guess that's the legal process. We're going to let that legal process play out. I don't, I don't give two wits what CNN says about it. From, from Whitney. How's that for providence? That's, see, all nature is but art unknown to thee, all chance direction, which thou canst not see. Whitney says, Michael, as a practicing Catholic, I am dismayed by the USCCB, that's Council of Catholic Bishops, their ringing endorsement of President-elect Joe Biden. According to canon law, he's already subject to automatic excommunication, uh, lite sententiae, uh, due to his stance on abortion legislation alone, to say nothing of the legal pressures put on the faithful by his policies and those of his political affiliates. Oh, you mean how he sued nuns because they wouldn't fund abortion drugs and already promises to sue nuns again? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's some pressure. That's not very Catholic to me no matter how devout people say that he is. However, due to the public nature of his office and the confusion his professed Catholicism causes the faithful, propriety would suggest that public and official excommunication is necessary. As stated in the Code of Canon Law, it is a prescribed medicinal penalty with the ultimate goal of repentance on the part of Mr. Biden and reconciliation with the Holy Catholic Church. My, my question is twofold. That was a long introduction to your question, but all good points. First, what do you think the chances are of this happening? Second, what methods would increase the chances of this happening? It should happen, absolutely. Joe Biden is in a state of grave sin, well, the sin of supporting abortion in the way that he is, and the sin of scandal for doing it. That's why he was denied communion. He was denied the Eucharist at a church in, I believe, North Carolina. And no matter what the USCCB says, uh, Joe Biden is in a, a very grave state and, and support for Joe Biden and uh, his political activities imperils the souls of uh, people who support him. That's just the way it is. I once spoke to a wonderfully erudite priest and I mentioned my blank book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide. And he said, Michael, I think I'm gonna plagiarize you and title it The Wisdom of the U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops, a comprehensive guide. And I think uh, it would be much the same content. Uh, what are the chances that they are gonna excommunicate him? Zero. I mean, hope springs eternal in the human breast, but uh, not great. And how can we pressure this to happen? I once had another priest friend of mine tell me the best way to pressure bishops is not to write them sternly worded letters. They don't care. Not to even, you know, and there's something sort of, you, you, can, you can publicly criticize and publicly, publicly challenge a bishop, but you don't want to do it in a way that is disrespectful of the office because, you know, we, we, are, we are governed uh, in a, a particular structure in the Catholic Church. But you can, of course you can criticize them. I mean, you know, Dante Alighieri put uh, two popes in hell face down with flames burning the soles of their feet for eternity. So, you know, you can make criticisms. Uh, however, what's more effective? Stop giving money to their charities. The bishops have lots of charities, some of which have been used as slush funds for lots of nefarious activities. Don't give them money. I, I no longer give money to bishops' funds and bishops' charities. I'll give to my church, I'll give to other Catholic charities, but the ones that are run by the bishops I don't give to because unfortunately the USCCB doesn't seem to serve its flock very well. From Julie, perhaps a dumb question. You know, I was once told by South Park that there are no dumb questions, only dumb people. But I suspect that your question involves neither of those things. Why do we have any reason to believe that a recount would yield a more honest vote tally than the original tally, considering the entities that are storing the ballots are the same entities that counted the first time? 
aren't the physical ballots in question vulnerable to tam- tampering or tossing between last week and the recount activities? Yes, that's a big worry. Uh, this is why you need to audit those votes. It takes much longer, but at least you're seeing Georgia do that. Hopefully, the other places will too. The other issue is uh, glitches on the voting systems, the ones that are, are electronic. You, you saw this in Michigan. There was a glitch that sent a lot of votes over to Joe Biden, thousands of them. Now, this glitch was caught beforehand, but that the software is used in 47 counties. So how many other glitches were there? Uh, that's another, another area that will need to be audited, and I hope that we have the opportunity to do that. Still, you know, there, there could be a lot of issues. There, during the Florida recount, during Bush v. Gore, one of the issues was hanging chads. So you would punch the ticket, you'd punch the ballot, and the chad had to come all the way out. If the chad was hanging, you were not allowed to count that ballot. And so you would have poll workers. You'd see, I, I was speaking to Senator Cruz, who was actually a lawyer during the Florida recount, and he was saying you would see people there poking, poking the chads out with their fingers. You know, I mean, it was, this became a big issue. So obviously there can be some issues during the counting itself, but the, the Trump campaign needs to fight as hard as they can. And there, there are ways to get a, at least a more accurate count, if not a perfect count. From Bennett. Good morning, Michael. In these hectic times, I have recently begun reconnecting with my Christian faith. I was raised Christian, but I'm now non-denominational. However, I've been surprised to find that in my hiatus, the faith-based online world has been hijacked by left-leaning megachurches who seem to lack a certain theological depth. Who are some conservative voices in the church that I might find to follow online? I preferably am looking for churches that hold true on issues like abortion and eternal conscious torment, as well as not catering to the whims of social justice movements like BLM. Yes, I always, I too long for those eternal conscious torments. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm actually very, I'm pleased to hear that you are taking hell seriously. People don't take hell seriously at all anymore. And they, uh, they imagine a God without wrath leading a people without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. Not my own words, but those of a more sophisticated theologian. I would recommend... Uh, my favorite priest that I recommend you read and listen to his homilies every week is Father George Rutler. He's a friend of mine. He's my priest. He did my wedding. And he's just brilliant. I think he's just the most brilliant priest alive today. He's written about a zillion books. That, that, that name is George W. Rutler. And you can fi- I think you can find his homilies on Apple Podcasts. Strongly recommend him. Uh, who else do I like? I love Patrick Madrid. He has a a daily radio show on Relevant Radio. It's a call-in show. It's great. He's super smart, really, really uh, uh, good to, uh, you know, he's really accessible in terms of popular apologetics. He's really smart. Uh, Scott Hahn writes a lot of great books. Gosh, there's so many. Uh, Maybe I'll tweet a list or something. Those three are good to start with, though. Okay, let's see. I'll try to take one more. From Alexa, Michael, after listening to your show today, I want to get your take on something. My boyfriend, uh, this is, this, I see a theme today, and now I feel like I'm going to be interfering in people's relationships, and I'm going to have some angry boyfriend come and punch me in the street somewhere. Fortunately, I'll be in Nashville, though, so we'll, we'll, we'll at least be well-armed. Back to your question. My boyfriend and I were recently discussing the left-slash-mainstream media's outright dismissal of the lawsuits the Trump campaign filed in uh, several states. We're both attorneys and we found it comical and frustrating that the MSM's legal analysts have been preaching that there is no evidence contained in the Trump campaign's declaratory judgment petitions, only allegations. If we made those arguments to a judge, we would be laughed out of the courtroom. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the MSM can grossly misrepresent how litigation and the law work and get away with it. Thanks and love the show. They can get away with it in the realm of law because they get away with it with every other realm too. 
the mainstream media misrepresent everything, everything. That is why they are the fake news. It is not because they don't sometimes get a story right. It's not because some reporter doesn't sometimes do something right. It's because they are not the news. They are not doing what they say that they're doing. Drew Clavin always brings up this point where you read the newspaper and you think, oh, that's an interesting story about Iraq. Oh, that's an interesting story about business taxes. Oh, that's an interesting story about the Yankees. Wait a second, I know about the Yankees and that story is complete BS. Oh, well, on to the next one. And so you know, that the one thing you know about that they're writing about, you say, that's not true. But then you take their word for it on so many other issues. This is what happens on law. This is what happens in science, right? How, how does the MSM uh, pontificate about science? And they say one thing one day, they say completely the opposite the next day. It's because their, their goal is not to talk about science. Same thing with politics. They get everything about politics wrong. I, you know I hate to brag. You know I hate to say I told you so. I was asked a month before the election to give my predictions. Just, and I, I don't give predictions generally, but it was the end of a long interview and my friend Matt Frad asked me about this. And I said, okay, off the top of my head, here's what I think. 60-40 chance Trump probably gets it, but it's gonna be contested. And you know, there's gonna be this issue where you're gonna have Bush v. Gore times three or times five, and you're gonna get recounts in those states. And you know, it'll be decided by the courts. All right, I don't think I'm Nostradamus. I just think it, it was pretty clear if you looked at how the Democrats were, were following the legal process. And uh, Nate Silver and all the other genius pollsters in the mainstream media and the Fox News Decision Desk and CNN and Amazon, they all made all these crazy predictions, none of which were true. They were all completely off. Even if Biden wins, they were completely off because they exist to preserve the progressive establishment, which increasingly has uh, not very much to do with reality. We'll see how that legal process plays out. Either way, I think that system is coming down. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm.